Being invisible has always intrigued writers, poets, filmmakers. I don't know if you've ever read any of the C.S. Lewis Narnia books, but there's a bit in The The Voyage of the Dawn Treader where these invisible monopod creatures suddenly appear. Actually, they don't appear because they're invisible, and that's the whole point. Or whether you've read The Hobbit and you get the invisibility in there, or whether you're very cultured and have read Plato, and he talks about invisibility as well. Because invisibility is interesting, isn't it? The thought of what would we do if we couldn't be seen. Now, I hate to burst the bubble this morning, but invisibility in that kind of way is just in the imagination. But actually, when we think about life, a lot of life is spent being invisible. We do things, we think things that nobody else sees, that nobody else knows about, that nobody else will ever find out about. Now, Jesus was an expert storyteller. He was great at getting people to use their imaginations to think about things and to reflect on the things of life. He could tell stories that would get his audiences, if you like, on the edge of their seat. He knew the culture that people lived in. He knew the things to say that would get people really listening. And one of the best known of all his stories is the one of the Good Samaritan. It's the one we've heard read this morning. And it's one of the few parables that probably still resonates in our wider culture today. We know of the organisation, the Samaritans, who do such amazing work with mental health. And they are named after the Good Samaritan in this story. But it's a story that Jesus tells in a response, actually, to a technical question from an expert in the law of Moses about the definition of who is my neighbour. What does Jesus say about who is my neighbour? If you joined us last week, we were looking at how the call of the gospel is one of compassion to all people, about how it's about the needs of the whole person, how God comes and reaches us in Christ as we are. But the question here is about who is the neighbour. And the man is looking for some wriggle room. The expert in the law is looking to sort of put boundaries around who the neighbour is. He knows God's heart. He's already told Jesus what God's heart is. To love the Lord your God with all your soul, all your mind, all your strength, and to love your neighbour as yourself. And yet still, he wants to put boundaries around it. Because, you know, sometimes boundaries around things. If we know we've got to do this, but not this, it can actually make life a little easier. And this is what the teacher of the law is after. If God doesn't need me to love these people, then actually I can just get on and treat these people as my neighbour. And so the story unfolds and it all takes place on the road downhill from Jerusalem to Jericho. It was a steep road, it was a rocky road, it went down about 3,000 feet, it was an ancient dirt track and it was one of those places where quite often robbers would sort of get to people in the middle of the desert and they would attack them. And it was dangerous right the way through to the 19th century where even up to that point, if you wanted to travel from Jerusalem to Jericho, you better take a bodyguard with you. But it was also quite a busy road at times because people, particularly priests and Levites and others serving in the temple, would be working in Jerusalem in the temple but then would go home to Jericho where they lived because Jericho was quite a nice place to live. It was surrounded by vineyards and date farms. It was a a warm place in the winter and it was just away from the bustle of Jerusalem. And so on this occasion, in Jesus' story, a man has tried to make this journey. But he's been fallen upon by robbers who have beaten him up and left him as for dead in the gutter. And so the familiar story continues. Two temple officials walk past, a priest and a Levite. 
both of them ignoring the man. Now, there may be reasons for this. There may be reasons about um, sort of ritual purity and not touching a dead body. Because if they touched a dead body, they may have had to go back to Jerusalem and perform all kinds of washing rituals to make sure they were ceremonially clean. It's easy for us, looking at it with our Western eyes, to point the fingers at these two men and to say, what actually were they doing? Why were they behaving like this? Why were they neglecting the word of God that calls us to love people? Well, they were concerned about temple life. They were concerned about purity. They were concerned about their own well-being. But in doing that, what they'd done is they'd actually forgotten the greatest commandment that Jesus had just reminded them of. But that's relatively easy to do, isn't it? It's relatively easy to do. We, we can get so concerned with our life in our church families. We can get so concerned with our own spiritual nourishment and well-being that we actually forget that we're called to be the hospital for the broken. As Christians, we're called to be the proclaimers of the rescue. As churches, we're called to be places of good news and hope, not places that point fingers at other people. So the broken and wounded man. Well, he will be cared for. He will be brought back to health. But the first thing that has to happen is he has to be rescued. If we, as Christians today, if you're a follower of Jesus today, if we're in the business of gospel ministry, if we're in the business of proclaiming Jesus who died for us, who died for our sin and rose again so that we can be part of the new creation, getting involved with the brokenness of the world is is not some kind of add-on to what it means to be a Christian. It's not the calling of the few. It's not the vocation of just one or two people. But it's what every disciple of Jesus is called to be involved with. We're called to be people full of compassion, full of love to those who we meet. So the Levite and the priest, well, they pass by invisibly almost. No one is there to comment on their actions. No one is going to praise them if they help this man and no one is going to criticise them if they ignore him. But then the story carries on and here is where we find a twist. Had Jesus brought in a third person at this point, it was it was a standard, if you like, everyday Jewish person, a fellow countryman of the man who'd been set upon, then this story would have panned out quite differently. It would be about how everyday people are better than the religious elite in the temple. And Jesus' adherents would have probably quite liked that. But actually, Jesus goes much further than that. He goes in quite a different direction. The man who helps in the invisible place is none other than a hated Samaritan who goes out of his way to care for this man who's been set upon, not only at personal risk, but also at significant financial cost. I think it's hard in our Western mindset to get our heads around the hatred that there was between Jews and Samaritans. And the reasons for that are are deep and, and bitter and they're too complex to unpack today. But it's a really unlikely twist. The Samaritan, the one thought to be the enemy, the outsider, is the one actually who turns out to understand God's heart. But I want us to think just for a moment, not so much about these various characters in the story, but in the setting where this takes place, in in this road from Jerusalem down to Jericho, an inhospitable place, in many ways an invisible place, a hidden place, 
a place where ministry, where taking care, would take place out of view. The Samaritan who cares for the man would not receive praise, and he would not receive criticism if he didn't do anything. But notice it's a Samaritan, the one who in this hidden place, not the religious people, who gets God's heart just right. He gives freely to help this man. He gives two days labourer's wages to an innkeeper, and innkeepers were not known for being honest. He offers to pay more on his return. He offers to, to pay whatever the innkeeper says is owed. Quite a risky thing to do. The Samaritan's behaviour is that outworking of loving our neighbour. You see, how we are when nobody is watching reveals a lot about who we are. How we behave when nobody is there to criticise us or to praise us or to commend us actually reveals an awful lot about the depth of our discipleship in terms of following Jesus. You know, to love somebody, it's not about having fluffy feelings about them. It's not just being emotionally or romantically drawn to somebody. But it's quite simply, in biblical terms, to love somebody, to to see somebody with the eyes of God himself. To treat others as God treats us. The love of God, the overwhelming love of God that comes to us in his self-giving of Jesus, his son. The love of God that is poured out for us at Calvary. So we too are called to pour out that same kind of love to other people. A love that, as Paul says in Romans 5 verse 8, while we were sinners, Christ died for us. See, the Samaritan in the story, he doesn't know this man, and yet he cares for him. He doesn't know this man and yet he gives to him. He doesn't know this man and yet he demonstrates the love of God through the care that he gives. And so the call is, love God, love our neighbour. As we have received love, let's give love outwardly. But let's just reflect just briefly about that question about invisibility. You know, it's easy to care, isn't it, when people are watching? It's easy to to look spiritual and to look committed when other people are there and they may praise us and they may thank us. But what about in those invisible places? What about at those times when nobody will thank us? How do we treat people then? How is our relationship with God in those places of invisibility? You see, Jesus will talk quite a lot about the invisible place, the hidden place. And he will say that actually it's there that, if you like, our true colours show themselves. It's there that our depth of response to Jesus is actually revealed. Matthew 6, verses 1 to 6, and these words will appear on the screen. Jesus says, Be careful not to practice your righteousness in front of others, or to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and on the streets, to be honoured by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your Father who is unseen. 
then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So whether it's giving, whether it's prayer, whether it's in this particular story of Jesus, loving our neighbour, let's be committed today to serving God in those secret places, even when it's in the invisible, even when people don't see what we're doing. May our hearts, may our lives reflect Jesus who came and gave his everything to us. And we'll remember Jesus' sacrifice in a few moments as we take communion together. But let's for now, let's pray. Lord, I pray that wherever we find ourselves, whatever we're doing, that we will live lives that reflect that we are followers of you. Help us to to understand at even a deeper level today what it means to love our neighbours as ourselves, And help that to be a reflection of the, the overwhelming love that you have shown to each of us. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.